Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Notorious Pleasures by Elizabeth Hoyt. This was published in 2011 and is the second in the Maiden Lane series. Yes, all a part of our great Maiden Lane reread. Yes, well, reread for me. Some of them are the first reads for Lane, so. Including this one. So um, it is interesting. Let's just dive into the jacket because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. Their lives were perfect. Lady Hero Batten, the beautiful sister of the Duke of Wakefield, has everything a woman could want, including the perfect fiancé. True, the Marquis of Mandeville is a trifle dull and has no sense of humor, but that doesn't bother Hero, until she meets his notorious brother. Until they meet each other. Griffin Remington, Lord Redding, is far from perfect, and he likes it that way. How he spends his days is a mystery, but all of London knows he engages in the worst sorts of drunken revelry at night. Hero takes an instant dislike to him, and Griffin thinks that Hero, with her charities and faultless manners, is much too impeccable for society, let alone his brother. Yet their near-constant battle of wits soon sparks desire. Desire that causes their carefully constructed worlds to come tumbling down. As Hero's wedding nears, and Griffin's enemies lay plans to end their dreams forever, can two imperfect people find perfect true love? I, I'm going to be honest. This The book jacket is fine. Yep. The I take issue with the fact that they get his name wrong. Correct. His name is not Griffin Remington. His name is Griffin Redding. And it should be Lord Griffin. Yes. Although Hoyt does make the mistake in the text now and then and does call him Lord Redding, which is incorrect. If I've learned anything from my many, many years of reading historical romance, it's how to use a courtesy title. Yep. Normally she doesn't get it wrong, so I don't know what's up with this one. So basically, the problems in the book, book jacket are representative of the problems in the book, so... <laughs> That's fair. So in that sense, it's an accurate jacket. Yeah. Well, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50, and then we used that number to write our own summaries using that as a word count. And for this episode, that number was 28. So I will... I'll go ahead and start. He falls for you because you don't have a stick all the way up your butt. You fall for him because, I don't know, it makes you laugh or something? Yep. So uh, Meg gets at the point that the couple didn't make sense. <laughs> they, the couple was, actually, the couple was fine. I don't understand the plot. But that's okay, though. I think you address it in your, your summary. So what's your summary? Griffin and Hero can't happen because, one, she's engaged to his brother. Two, he has gin stills in St. Giles, and that's what killed her parents? I'm serious. Mm -hmm. This made no sense to me. So her parents were murdered in St. Giles, and for some reason she and her brothers are convinced it's the gin distilling that did it, but that doesn't make any sense. It's the... Yeah, it's the whole, like, 
the you know like drug the drug culture leading to criminality leading to murdering people in the street i guess yeah and that was one of my biggest criticisms of this book if other things hadn't happened <laughs> the connection between vice and the poor and the worthy poor and the benevolent upper class i thought was all really poorly handled mm-hmm. like clearly clearly um the problem isn't the fact that gin exists right like you can absolutely make an argument that gin distillers are knowingly profiting off of suffering given the circumstances of the era but that is not the cause of the evil and that is just totally not engaged with right like the systemic I'm- concept of the aristocracy might be the bigger problem hmm? 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 well and i mean it is interesting to read Hoyt does not do this. You have to do this yourself if you want to read it and see some kind of connection with the current war on drugs, right? Right. Because that's not, she does not explicitly do that. I I honestly don't think she means to engage with that. No, and if anything, I think she would take the side of the war on drugs as good based on the way this book is phrased, and that's clearly not the current tenor. (laughs) Right. But anyway, um... So yeah, I don't know. What are the what are the tropes in this book, Lane? I think the biggest, very specific one is engaged to the wrong brother. Mm-hmm. At this point, we've seen it several times. That is clearly the biggest obstacle to their happiness. However, I think there were a lot of other major tropes that you could talk about. Yeah. There's an element of enemies to lovers. Right, because they are on opposite sides of the gin issue. Of the gin issue, but then also they try to draw these lines between, you know, she's the moral one or the one who does what society expects, and he's the one who bucks all of society's expectations. Yeah, I thought all of that was told more than shown. Oh, absolutely. So I didn't engage with it super deeply. There's also an element here of the bodyguard. Mm -hmm. Because the reason they start ending up in forced proximity, LOL, is that he sees her going to St. Giles on her own and basically says, either you take me with you or I tell your future husband and your brother what you've been up to. And I will be your protector. And that is so stupid. I can't. My eyes are rolling so hard, you guys. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. I read this book when it came out and I have not reread it since. I have read reread many of the books in the series but not this one. And now I remember why. Because it doesn't make any sense. And it's not sexy. And I also don't think it furthers much of the overarching plot of the series itself. Yeah, so one of the things that surprised me the most uh, before we finish up tropes is that clearly The Ghost of St. Giles is like the A plot linking the early books in the series together at least. And the first book clearly engaged with it quite a bit, even if none of the main characters were the ghost or knew who the ghost was. And I was surprised to see that become even more of a background fixture mm-hmm. in this one, because I would have thought you'd want to promote that. This so, also, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, go. No, 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 go ahead. No, go. 
I was going to say, as someone who has read this series and does have favorite books in this series, it's interesting to look back now with the benefit of what I know about this series as a whole and wonder why this book specifically was written. So in my opinion, I we talked about this last time we talked about Maiden Lane. I don't think she meant to have Hero as a main character so soon. I think yeah. she meant to have Silence's book, but there's something that happens at the end of Silence's book that would make the series be structured differently. And okay. I think she realized, oh, I can't do Silence's book yet. I have to do another book first. And this book really feels wedged in and not furthering much of any plot, to be honest. Well, and I think ultimately the biggest contribution it makes to the series as a whole, with the benefit of hindsight, having to read, having had read some of the future books in the series, is the discourse about Jin, frankly. Yeah. And like talking about the current situation in St. Giles and sort of giving you a better lay of the land of what's going on in Parliament versus what's going on in the slums. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was also poorly done, that it just pissed me off. Right, exactly. Um, just last trope, just to change from the big picture, I think the one romance trope I really, well, two, Kara check up mm -hmm. and argue in the back room at a ball and hook up instead. Mm -hmm. Well, and then there's the Hoyt trope, which I normally love, which is that the man is pursuing the woman and the way he's going to convince her that she loves him is by giving her amazing sex. I and love then it. there's I, also the Hoyt trope of the B plots take way too much time. Yeah. And it's like double the B plots for silence since she had all the B plots of the first book. Yep. So. And all the random chapters from his brother, her fiance. Yes. And his mistress. I was like, this is so stupid. I don't care. I think it was meant to make me have sympathy for him as a character. And it, if anything, made it worse. And I hated him I more. I would have been, yes, I agree with you. Uh, yes, I have a lot to say about that later, actually. Yeah, so anyway, those are the tropes. Um, we Let's just dive into it here. So the one thing I loved about this book, and I mean loved, is the opening. Mm -hmm. She walks into a back room to discreetly fix her stockings, and people come into the room with her and immediately start having sex. Or the room she walks into, people are having, are sex. having sex. Uh-huh. And she's like, I should just turn around. However, I recognize the dress of the lady in this engagement and her husband was following me down the hallway. So she feels the need to break up their tryst and warn them, even though she is disgusted by the social impropriety and the infidelity she is witnessing. It was so fun. Oh, yeah. It's for sure the best part of this book. I mean, Hoyt had this great idea for an opening. And then she was like, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be... I guess the best part of the book, but also the worst part in that the book peaked on page five. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's what happens in the book, right? Um, Hero saves Griffin from being called out from a duel, basically, because she interrupts her, his tryst with a married woman. Yep. And then later that day, Griffin realizes, later that night, like 10 minutes later, Griffin realizes that she's his brother's fiance. I really, I truly think that the biggest issue that this book has is the timeline. It's very rushed. 
I think they get together in, like, I'm not joking. This book maybe spans two weeks, maybe two weeks. And I, that's generous. Yeah. And we talk all the time about how we are not slow burn people, but there are certain plot elements that require it. And engaged to your brother is one of them. Well, and here's the thing, like there, they could have gone on an engagement house party and had to talk with each other there. Like there are ways that you could have made this work and still had the sex at what, 55% of the way in. But they also don't spend all that much time talking. They meet the first time the engagement's announced. They bump into each other in St. Giles. They go to see an architect and then they have a group outing to Hearts Folly. And by the end of that, they are oh, like hooking up. You forgot they had a conversation about classical Greek. That was in the St. Giles trip. That's the conversation they have when he runs into her I think in St. Giles. it was the second trip to St. Giles. So the one where they go to see the architect. Because those were the only two. Fix her up the first time. I think it's the one where they go to the gin. The gin still. He's that like, was I have after to make they- it stop. Yeah, but that's after they kiss in the heart's folly. Yeah, I, I'm not but sure of the timeline, but it's extremely short. If, whether they, it's, whether they, they were in the carriage together twice, once or twice. You know, line, they don't know each other well enough and have not come to an accord quickly enough to justify how quickly they're both willing to betray him. And we've yeah. talked before about how like engagement back then did not mean what it means now. Obviously, it's not like a relationship or a bond, but... I think the one time where you have to take it really fucking seriously is when it's your sibling. Like, well, and not only that, she ups the angst because his brother believes that Griffin slept with his dead wife. Well, and her brother is working to end gin distilling, and that's how apparently Griffin makes the money for his whole family. Mm-hmm. It's all very slapdash. I mean, I could, look, the gin stuff wasn't great, but I think that if their relationship had been really strong, I could have overlooked it. Like, if their encounters had been more meaningful, if it had been over the course of several weeks, even if it had been over the course of two weeks, that they're Mm -hmm. not hooking up, right? But they're Mm -hmm. actually having meaningful conversations and realizing that they're, you know, They never had meaningful conversations. Now, they, they both like Greek philosophy. Yes. Like, I'm not kidding. That's, that's it. And then she realizes that he's not, like, a horrible person. And that her fiancé maybe is. Yeah. Which, which is, like, again, those elements are not... They could have worked if this were written differently. That is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's like, I just don't understand. Okay, so I understand, sort of, he sees her in St. Giles, and he's like, I need to take care of her because this is a dangerous place. But then, you know, he says, no, you have to go with me if you go to St. Giles. Which, number one, why? Yeah. Like, there's no point to that. There's no point. He, I, you seem to maybe think that possibly if, if her fiance and brother knew about it, they would stop her from going at all. But why does it have to be Griffin? Like he knows, I don't know. I just, for me, I'm like, what the, I don't, there's no point to it. That's all. 
Well, and like the thing is, it's not like she's sneaking around or doing something dangerous. She's going in the middle of the day to an orphan's home and the construction site of an orphan's home. Sufficient staff should protect her. Well, like that's what I'm saying, saying you have like, to be with her is patronizing. It, like yes. I always find it patronizing, but it'd be one thing if he found her like in men's clothing in the back of a dangerous bar, clearly in over her head. He found her in her marked carriage, surrounded by footmen going between two orphan homes. Right. Like, exactly. come on, dude. She's not a child. Exactly. Exactly. And the book tries to imply that he's better than her brother and fiance because they would forbid her from going. Whereas but, he only lets her go if she's supervised. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know. Yeah. Okay, so one, one of them treats you like a 12-year-old and the other treats you like a 15-year-old. Great. Big difference. Yeah. I don't know. I just... I just don't understand why they are so into each other after such a short time that they're willing to like really fuck this whole family up. Yeah. That's what I don't get. You know? Me neither. I don't and I also don't get what she wants. Right. Yeah, it's whatever. Um Okay. I love Hearts Folly. Can I just yes. say that I love the setting itself? Yes. Like, I love the whole idea that you have to get there in a gondola. Like, and you get there and there are all these things to do. The pleasure gardens. There's a maze. There's a waterfall with, like, LED lights. Obviously not LEDs. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> and then there's, like, there are plays. There are all these things. I don't know. It seems amazing. And I really want to go to Hearts Valley. Me too. Um, and this is the second appearance of it in the series? Was it in the first book? I feel like it was, but maybe I'm... Yeah, I'm pretty sure what's one of the places he takes her. I don't think so, but so they might the first talk appearance? about it. I think this is the first time they actually go to Hearts okay. Folly. So yeah, so good. Second thing I liked about this book, Hearts Folly. Yes. So content, trigger warnings, whatever. Um Jin shit we talked about, sad, tragic orphans, like, they do not skimp over just how tragic the circumstances for children in St. Giles are. Most significantly. Hey, spoiler which, alert, okay. But, but we can't not talk about it. Right. She goes to tell her fiancé that she doesn't want to marry him. And when he won't just take her rejection, she says, come on, I slept with your brother. And he responds by smacking her across the face. Mm-hmm. And, like, he gives her, like, a black eye. Or he bruises yeah. her face. And then Griffin runs in, attacks his brother. It becomes this altercation. <sighs> he is shown to be the most cowardly and spineless of men. Basically allowing his brother to save the family fortune. Not asking how. Not caring where his money comes from. Not he's engaging. Fall falling in love with a woman and, and not, you know, breaking up with her because she's not the right kind of woman. Yes. And then he physically attacks the woman engaged to him for rejecting him. And you're supposed to think he's redeemable? That's, that's my biggest issue. Because I'm like, he gets, he gets a happily ever after with the yep. woman he's in love with. With the, Camilla, with the Camilla Parker balls. Let's just say it for what it Not is. Not only does he get happily ever after with her, they clearly forgive him and still are like actively a part of each other's lives. And it's just like, no. Yeah. She's like, oh, he sent me flowers. And I'm like, 
No. Like, the and only she- possible outcome for this is he goes to propose to the woman he loves, and she goes, you, you hit hero? Get the fuck out of my house. Yes. 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 But also... I'm just really struggling to believe that, well, sorry, several points in the text, Hero says, I provoked this. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, he did a hateful thing, but I said a hateful thing. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want you defending your abuser in the text. This is fucked up. It'd be mm-hmm. one thing. I hated just the forgiveness in general, but it'd be one thing if she said, oh, he was totally in the fucking wrong, but we're not splitting up your family over this. Whatever. For her to say several times that it was deserved. It was justified, yeah. I was losing my shit. Well, and then the other part that really pisses me off is that her brother, Maximus, still wants her to marry him. It actually is going to force her to. Mm-hmm. It really bothers me. And I don't care if this is giving too much away, but Let's just say that Maximus is going to be a hero in the future. And I still can't get over the fact that he did that to his sister. Like, yep. it, when I read that book, it counts so much against him. Yep. So I'm just, just saying. For all you Maiden Lane fans out there, I don't like Maximus very much. So spoiler alert for whenever we get to that one. <laughs> okay. Sexiness. Is this book sexy? Because normally we say Elizabeth Hoyt can write some sex. This is not her best. Um, there's a lot more. One of the things that I was really taken aback by is there's a real fixation on her nipples in this book. Mm-hmm. To the point that one time she comes just for him playing with her boobs. Yes. I'm like so not into the boobgasm. It was so fucking weird. And there's a whole lot of her virginal hands t- touching his dick. Yeah. So it's very much, he's, probably one of the most selfish lovers you'll ever see in a romance novel like yeah she comes but well like I was I was reading it too and I was like the so the the okay it's a waste of a good carriage ride is all I have to say oh yeah oh yeah well that's not all I have to say because I'm gonna keep going (laughs) (laughs) what uh, what really gets to me is I read it and I was like he the way it's written, he can't be sure if she came or not. Right. But he does because she jacks yep. him off and is fucking scared. Yep. And I'm like, how did you know? And later he's like, he talks, he's like, oh, is anyone going to know that you can come just for me playing with your nipples? And I'm like, how do you know it? She didn't tell you. Yeah. It really bugs. It still bothers me. Griffin, come on. I just did not enjoy their dynamic. Yeah, and, I I don't love them sadly. And even the time there was a lot of anger and misunderstanding in their sex scenes. Like we talk this is a couple that really need character, needed character development and needed bonding and I don't feel like the sex gave them that at all. No, I agree. To the point that they left several of their sex scenes, like, more mad at each other than they started? Oh, yeah. All the time. And that's not... Like, it wasn't hate sex. It wasn't angry sex. But, like, if anything, it set character development back. And given that this book did not have sufficient character or relationship development, that's, like, a real problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in general, I would say this is a bit of a miss for me, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, we're going to keep going, though. Like, mainly oh, is yeah. very much planned. Before we wrap this up, I do want to know what you thought of the B-plot in this book. Silences or the talker or... We're not, we're oh, not talking about Thomas. We're done talking about him. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, did not enjoy. <laughs> You're not hyped to read the next book? No. <laughs> it was... Um, okay, sounds good. So she's raising Mickey's kid. And she's got, he's sending random presents for her. Like, first of all, you really think your baby is better off in a foundling home? <laughs> Look, he is, he's very self-aware. He knows that he's a crime lord. And that the baby's better off with a woman you ruined than in your house. I'm sorry. Oh, my. I just fucking can't. This, like, I don't, I could not care less about the setup for that story. But um, I'm, I'm ready for Pirate Town. I am. But I'm, this, I'm, I needed I'm this book to not have to... them. I literally needed the only silent scene in this whole fucking book to be the scene where her, she finds that her husband is dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't uh -huh. need all the running back and forth between nursemaids and getting caught in the riots and the list of gifts that Mickey had sent. Like, cut all of that. <laughs> cut it all. <laughs> this is my biggest beef with Hoyt. Like, I think it's worked for me one time. I really don't get the characters who are not the two main characters getting POV chapters I at know. all. I know. I think... There, I mean, there are there are books that it works better in than others, obviously. And, I mean, we'll we'll see how you feel going on because I, I do think, as the book goes on, you get a little bit more character development, partially because you already know the characters for such a long time. And to be honest, I don't know if Hero's book. So, again, we started the book. Started the book started the episode by saying this, I don't think that she planned on doing Hero. So I think she just kind of threw this book together. That's what it feels like to me. But we'll see. Maybe an editor should have been like, mm, we need more. I wonder if this is anyone's like favorite Maiden Lane, you know? Given the abuse, I doubt it. I don't know. Well, if it's your favorite, sorry. You probably stopped listening. <laughs> but if you're still listening and you like the podcast, we would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet wherever you find plot trusts. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>